Welcome back to another episode of You've Got Connections. Just like relationships being so important, connections are where it starts. I feel with the right connection, so many things can start to blossom. I love the expression, it's not what you know, it's who you know. I'm your host, Arielle Levitt. We are going to talk with entrepreneurs, see how they have built their businesses through connections, and how you can do the same. Every week, we will talk with new business owners to get connected with them and learn how they have built their business, maintain their relationships while building their empire, and have the courage to do their life's purpose. It's time to start elevating the world through connections. Let's dive in and take a listen. Thank you to one of our sponsors, The Newlywood Card Game. Here's something that nobody tells you about marriage. After the wedding ends, you and your partner will be scratching your heads and wondering what in the world to do next. The first years of marriage can be blah and boring, but it doesn't have to be that way. Meet the Newlywed Card Game, the first ever card game for newlyweds that adds a spark of romance, adventure, and fun after the honeymoon ends. When you get your hands on the Newlywed Card Game, you'll have 75 curated cards inside that are filled with challenges, adventures, and deep conversation starters. Learn more at thenewlywedcardgame.com and use the code L-O-V-E for $5 off. That's love, L-O-V-E for $5 off. So you might have heard this guest that I've had on my podcast before, Brian Howie. I'm bringing him back because I'm bringing him on in a different way. I want to hear how he has started his podcasting studios. He has a totally different dimension to him. He has his own podcasts. Um, I say podcasts because he has three, but one that is very, very big called The Great Love Debate. But he is coming back on because I want to talk about how he is growing his podcasting studios and what that looks like and how it is moving into the future and how he's playing now with franchising. And he's totally, you know, he's done so many different things, but now it's going into this franchising world. And he's like, what is this? And what's this look like? And how does this work? You might be so successful in something doesn't mean everything is figured out. Hi, Brian. Okay. I have to say you have been my most frequent flyer podcaster on my my podcast. Are there rewards? Can I cash in <laughs> rewards? Do I get drink tickets? What do I get for that? I know. I love it. No, it's so great. I love chit-chatting with you. Yeah. But I don't think I've been on this podcast. No, you haven't been on this one. Right. But my previous one, you've been on a couple times. I have. And it was really, really fun. Yeah. So now so I got I, upgraded to the new podcast. Yeah. I had to bring you on. And I had to, because it's also, you have so many dimensions to you. Do dimensions? I? Yeah, dimensions. Do I? <laughs> yeah, you really do. I have a couple dimensions. <laughs> yeah. Some. But I love it because it's like a little, like, I guess I, people always use onion, but I would say like a little babushka doll, you know, like one of those, like, what are they called? You know, where they, you open it up and then there's another doll inside and then you open that one up and there's another doll inside. A dreidel? <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? Those Russian dolls? No. Come on. No. I know you really. I look- don't have that layer to me. I don't have that dimension. <laughs> I'm not in the Russian doll business. No. All right. Well, there's different layers to you, which is really fun. To How unpack. many sides to a dreidel? Uh, like four. Six. Four. Four. That's it. Four. It's not a hexagon. Oh, definitely it's not. Just four. Yeah. Oh. Brush up on my Hanukkah toys. <laughs> it's coming up soon. Yeah. Um. Okay, so let's dive into because you have a podcast, but before well, I do. I, I don't even know where. Podcasts. See, I don't even know where to start with you because it is so many different sides. You have three podcasts. I have three podcasts. But you started with one. To started then, with one. To then start 
building your like you've always been an entrepreneur i don't okay tell I me have. from the beginning I've never had because a job. i know which i think is a fascinating yeah it would have behooved me to have a job you know why some of the countries like they send all their people in the military for two years after college or after high school yeah. Israel does that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's better. We should do that here. And we should make everybody go get a job. Now, too many people are doing what I did. Like, entrepreneur, people are influencers. People, people need to go to work for a little while. <laughs> so you're it's cutting bad. out the entrepreneurship. Yeah, I, I'm like, don't be an entrepreneur between, before 20. Go, go get a job. <laughs> and then go do your thing. So work um, for somebody. Yeah, I, uh, I went to college. And when I got out of college, I thought I... Um, could could write the great American novel. I could not. I wasn't talented enough, so I started writing screenplays. No effect. No offense to anybody who writes screenplays, but you're writing 130 pages instead of 450 pages. It's just easier. Wow. You just write daytime instead of describing the sunset. This is easier. Yeah. So I sold a couple of screenplays pretty quickly. Nothing happened with those screenplays, so they people be like, "Oh, when's your movie coming out?" And you learn that just because somebody um, buys your screenplay, there's like a hundred steps between that and going to the movie theater. So that bothered me because I didn't feel like I didn't have any control on it. So I started pr- producing television um, mm. for MTV and VH1. Um, Ooh, like I music did that videos for a while. No, like shows, like when they had shows on back in the day, like like the list and. I produced a karaoke show called uh, it was a celebrity karaoke show and yeah. I produced Fairway to Heaven which was like yeah. a celebrity golf tournament I produced a bunch of stuff for MTV and VH1 and so then I'm be like very creative and then I'm like this isn't enough for me I need to direct because even when you when you work in television 16 people sit around a, a, bad, a big conference table and throw out bad ideas yeah. it's like a game of whack-a-mole and only so many um, ideas can be quashed and so everything gets screwed up like, yeah. So for years, I would get so frustrated by television that that because I'm like, this is not the idea that we pitched. Yeah. And um, so I'm like, I need more control. So I started directing definitely uh, a theme theater, here. like off Broadway shows, like big shows. So I so I went to television having no television experience. I went to theater having I didn't even know what stage right was. But I'm like, I think I know how to do this, and I did. Wow. And the first. Um, show I ever wrote and directed became the number one off-Broadway show in New York and that got me to Hollywood and then I've been in Hollywood for 15 years writing, directing, producing television, live events, film all kinds of things and then I about um, seven years ago eight years ago um, I wrote a book called How to Find Love in 60 Seconds which is sort of a satirical look at dating and at that time, my manager said, it's time for you to be the talent. And I'm like, what? I don't want to be the talent. I'm just a writer guy. And then he's like, nope, you're the talent. And uh, I, that book turned into a live touring show called The Great Love Debate. And uh, a podcast came out of that. And another and another. And I became the talent. Oh, my gosh. I was like, So here it, we are. It's so funny. I've known you for a while now. And yeah. I really like, I just know, I feel like I know you. I didn't really just, I knew your I didn't know your whole story. A long career of semi-successful showbiz endeavors. So, yeah, Yeah. I always say, uh, yeah, I'm in showbiz. People always say, oh, you're in the dating business because I have a show called The Great Love Debate. I'm like, I'm in show business. I don't. That's just the theme. You've done so many different aspects. I have. At my core, I'm a writer. Yeah. Somebody says, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a writer. So if you could write. Because everything stems from that. 
like if you okay what would be your dream I mean obviously you're writing your own show right kind of you're talking about your own show you write you now yeah I only I don't want to write anything longer than a tweet <laughs> <coughs> so once I discovered podcasting I never wrote again which a lot of people do. I'm like I can just talk it you know all I ever really wanted was a forum for my thoughts and I've always sort of been in the passionate conversation business so I would write plays and screenplays yeah. sort of about things that I wanted to say or do but I would have to like filter them through characters or it was a really long roundabout way for me to express myself because I wasn't comfortable expressing being the front man so So you express what you think and feel and want to get out there through very complex um, mediums yeah because I wasn't ready to be oh that's what he thinks oh that's him and uh, podcasting and doing a live show sort of um, gave me the avenue to do that. But still, I'm a writer. So everything I think or say is sort of formulated as if I was writing it anyway. I yeah. just don't actually type Put it on it paper. Yeah. or write it anymore. Yeah. I don't write anything anymore. I well, get asked all the time. My publisher calls me. He's like, can you do another book? Yeah. And I'm like, why? You, make, you write really good Facebook posts. That's my limit. I love it. That's my limit. I enjoy them every day. I run stuff up the flagpole on social media, and then if it's good enough, I'll do a podcast about it. Yeah. Because I'm always afraid by the time they hit print on a book, it'll be out of date or something has changed. The world moves so fast. Our, our opinions move so fast that I'm afraid. Even my book, I don't mm-hmm. even uh, – I, I don't think it's in print anymore. Some people come to my shows and they're like, will you sign my book? And I'm like, I don't believe half the stuff in the book. I don't. It was eight years ago. It was different. Wow. I was different. The world was different. I'm like, I don't think I agree with my own book. Yeah. So people are like, we write another book. And I'm like, no. That's on the podcast. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and that, that's, that's changed a lot, too, because I, I published books for like seven years. I would help yeah. people write them and publish them because I believed everybody had a book in them. Well, now I believe everybody has a podcast in them. And it's just easier. A lot of people had, you know. 200 pages in a nightstand drawer waiting to come out or unfinished and I was I, my, I would always help people finish that and get, get them out to the world now I'm like you're better off doing a podcast you just talk yeah you just talk and if you talk enough and you have enough to say transcribe the podcast and turn it into a book yeah there you go but you know the book business has changed too I mean the book business is like but people are still reading and listening no they're listening they're audio like yeah, it I'm, used I'm to a, be oh, when yeah. I put my book out the publisher will call you up and they're like, you got to do the, the, the audio book. And I'm like, why? And they're like, well, there's a couple hundred hearing impaired people. That, that was, the, that was, or, that was or visually impaired people. Hearing impaired people wouldn't listen to an audio <laughs> book. Visually impaired. And I'm like, okay. And it was like a side thing. Now the book is the side thing. People consume more audio books than they do hardcovers now. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm a like, huge I might as listener. well do a podcast because then I don't have to. I don't like to hit, put a period on a sentence because then it's over. I don't like to hit end. It's over. I, I want conversations to continue. That's why podcasting appeals to me more than writing. Hmm. You know, writing, you're constantly, oh, I wish I put, put that in or I wish I said that differently or, or all that kind of stuff. So props to people who write books. I have a lot of friends who are authors and, and good and great, but give me the podcast. So you can, yeah. You don't yeah. have to put a period on it. No. <laughs> I like semicolons. Just keep it going. <laughs> Wow. Oh my gosh, this is so fascinating. Yeah. I feel like I like see I knew one so side I, of so you, you work the dating with, side. You know, and you work yeah, so part I mean, people are, so I host three podcasts. One's about food and one's about politics and one's about 
love dating relationships and people are like so two that people should talk about one that people are like scared to talk about yeah but people are like how are those similar they seem so different i go no they're all passionate conversations and i feel like you mm-hmm. can grab any three people yeah. from anywhere in the world and have a passionate conversation about tacos or dating or Political. the house of representatives like yeah. i think you can and that's why all three things appeal to me sort of equally because they all feel the same to me yeah it's bad that i think dating should should feel like politics but if you if you argue in a healthy way or you debate not like i did a great love debate show in in uh in tel aviv and arguing is a way of life there and they know how to so, sort of same with ireland yeah. they know how to do it they know how to respect others opinion they know how to drink afterwards and you know even hebrew itself sounds like an argument yeah you could just be ordering dinner the language sounds like an argument it does sounds like arguing over parking space like that's what it sounds like <laughs> so it was very good shows over there because it was very natural for them to have different viewpoints and respect them we're terrible about that here we are so wow yeah i love it i love it um so when you're doing all this stuff though like you you just didn't wake up one day and was like i'm gonna get into the writing business or did you i did i was an english man but did well, you, how did you like no, no, i but went like, to college to be a, a broadcaster sportscaster okay first day of college i got on the microphone at their college radio station i was supposed to read the scores and i had a panic attack i was so nervous that i quit and i never did it again so i was like my life will not be in on the microphone like i could ah. never do it so I'm like, well, I still need crazy. a way to do this. So I'm like, I always thought I would write, whether it's a journalist or something yeah. else. So I always did that. So I got fairly fortunate that pretty quickly I sold like a handful of things that I wrote early. Yeah. And I had a good agent early. And so I was able to sort of make my way, you know, so I guess, like, through things. I, I want to know, like, who did you connect to or who did you like? How did you make your connections or how did you because I know you're such a people person. You love to read people. You love to dig well, into people. I, um, you're an introverted I don't know. People I just person. knew like I knew how like when you back then 20 years ago or whatever you you would submit stuff like you would write it and then submit it. I would sometimes send jokes to the Tonight Show and, you know, you would just like anything else like an actor an actress you learn how to audition and you learn mm-hmm. and and so you'd write stuff and then even when when i started to do television like i knew somebody who worked in the news department at mtv mm-hmm. and i'm like hey i have some ideas can i get a meeting but that was also a problem so i started in television at producer which is high most yeah. people start as intern production assistant um line produ- work their way up yeah that was bad because you get assigned a show. You're the producer, created the show, and the sound people would come in, and they're like, "Okay, what kind of what kind of sound are we going to have on the show?" And I'm oh like, "Oh my gosh, good sound, <laughs> sound you can hear, like crisp sound." And they're like, "What?" <laughs> and then the um, the the lighting people would come in, and they're like, "Okay, so we shoot this. What kind of li-? I just have the terminology?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Like like light that you can see." Mm-hmm. And so what I started to do was, I'm like, I know what I want in my head. How do I communicate it? So uh, back then, I would have VHS tapes, and I'd be like, I want it to look like that. Wow. And the people respected that. They're like, oh, he definitely has knows what he wants. He just doesn't know how to say it. But that's, it was like being in a different country. And I was able to communicate it by being like, I want it to look like this. I want it to look like this. 
yeah. when I started to do theater, I didn't know stage right from stage left, but I knew the way I wanted it to look. I know the way I wanted to sound. So I did a play. Uh, a week later, the New York Times does a review, and it says how he has a surety of style. And, and I'm like, yes, he does. I do. <laughs> and so then I was like, yeah, I do know what I'm doing. And, and so you learn in show business for a while that, first of all, everybody's a little bit full of shit. Mm-hmm. And no matter what the business is, the, the most important thing I ever learned that at most, everybody's maybe one chapter ahead in the book than you, mm-hmm. no matter what they do. So you shouldn't be intimidated. Like, a lot of people have imposter syndrome. Yep. I learned pretty quickly that everybody's an imposter. Yeah. Especially in Hollywood. So I was like, oh, they're not better, or they don't know better. And that gave me confidence to just try anything. Weren't you scared, though, like, when you, like... No, I felt an advantage being a New Yorker in L.A., even though L.A. is filled with New Yorkers. Yeah. I don't know. There's a certain amount of, like, New York's harder. It just is. So I wasn't scared once I sort of knew, like, I don't know. See, you also get a lot of people telling you you're awesome. Yeah. Even that, that's the thing. And so you get caught up in that. And maybe you not, won't be awesome, but... but um, I mean, you believed in yourself from right from I don't know. I I, or, or I didn't believe in them. I'm like, I don't believe in anybody else. Maybe I can do this. Yeah. So I thought that I was talented enough, and you just never know. Like, it only takes sort of one person to, to change your life. You know, I said that, I talked about on my podcast the other day, like, like the thing about um, the arts is you're going to s- hear no a thousand times, whether yeah. it's an audition or it's a record label or it's uh, an art curator. You're just going to hear no a thousand times. You only need one yes, though. And dating's like that, too. You only need one yes. So once I got the right yes, and there's been some, like, I think that's the right yes or whatever, but there was a point, and it took me a while, where, like, the right people are like, oh, he's talented. Then you're good. So who gave you the right yes? And are you still friends with them, or do you still connect with them? Uh, it was my agent who died. Oh, i Well, sorry. he was old. Oh. Um, he was old at the time. <laughs> um and uh, my first agent, he he was like, "You are good," he, and he reps some some big people, and um, and so I was like, "Well, if he, you know, managed them, and he wants me, because I was with a big agency for a while. When I was like with CAA, um, you'd read stories like they gave George Clooney a Porsche for Christmas, and then I'm like, oh, I got a bottle of wine, and so I'm like, I don't rank anywhere in this agency.'" But then I found the right person, and then, um, you know, as a creative, I was pretty confident. But but as a talent, to be like a host, mm-hmm. uh, Adam Carolla, like, changed everything for me. Changed everything. Because mm. he's just like, you are, I'm going to put you on a stage, and we're going to see if you're funny enough. I'm just going to throw you in a, sta- in a comedy club with him, 400 people, hang on. And, um, Whoa. And I was. And so it was like the ultimate audition. Yeah. He's like, he's like, you know, for people who know Adam, his his brain could go in 100 different directions. So he's like, uh, eh, we'll just put you on. Let's you come to my show in San Diego and we'll see. So I drive down to San Diego and um, we're in this comedy club. It's packed because everybody's there to see him and he's doing his podcast live. And he's like, we're going to bring you on in like 15 minutes. 
and it was his test to see if I could hang enough that I could I could be funny enough control a room full of 400 people. And no pressure. I, yeah. And I didn't know it at the time or I might have felt pressure. I wasn't really sure what we were doing. I didn't know it was a test. Yeah. I thought it was just I was his guest. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I did. I used to be like king of the one-woman shows in Hollywood. Somebody wanted to do a one-woman show, they'd come to me and I would direct and produce it, whatever, because I was good at pulling stories out of people. Yeah. So that's what I would do. I'd do some famous people and some not-so-famous people, and I would do the theater and I would direct the show. So I was always like, I can tell their story. Um, but then Corolla's like, let's see what you got, and um, that was it. So then I started getting booked and places like all over the world and um but it took a while i mean it's a process i wasn't yeah. like you know but 22. you're available for it and you're saying yes i mean you were yeah, just yeah i was available right place right time but yeah. you got to be around and you got to keep pitching ideas and you got to be and you got to pivot and you got to change and you, you have, have to grow to, up and you have to be open to it you have to be open to it but if that mm-hmm. happened to me you know at 25 i would have been like where's the chicks like that i would have done it for the wrong reasons you know so I had sort of gone through a lot of that as a director and a producer, and I, I wasn't crazy about that because I would, you'd, you know, these casting calls you'd have, especially in New York, and like 800 actresses would show up, <sighs> and you realize that you had the power to change their life. Yeah. And I didn't necessarily like that or want that power, and it, it bothered me. Like, I didn't like that. I'm like, if I say yes, every, I didn't want to be that person. I wanted that person for me. I didn't like the power of doing that. Yeah. So it freaked me out. It's a lot of control. Yeah, I didn't want it. Uh, talk about control, and you like control. Well, you like control of your own. Yeah, I didn't want to have that much control over somebody's destiny. So I'd be like, somebody else do that. I didn't want to do it. Like, I, didn't, I had to do it for 10 years. Yeah. And some people are very doing really well because I cast them. Wow. And some people are not yeah, yeah yeah. and i i think about that all the time i'm like oh if i gave her a break but you know you can't give everybody a break but i it bothered me that part i didn't like that part yeah yeah, yeah. choosing people's destiny yeah just having that much control like if i just say yes that person's life's going to change but you like control over your things your, your projects that you do um i like to have control over the outcome i have to i like to know if something didn't happen it's because i screwed it up mm. Like, I like to take ownership of it. I don't want to blame. You know, you. That's good. I, I like to not assign blame. You're I don't need the credit. So you. So that's the problem, though. You're, you're in the so business. So you're not narcissistic, which is good. No, I mean, I don't <laughs> so you got to the point. People are like, when did you get tired of Hollywood? Yeah. Because I was producing shows in Vegas and like Vegas shows. I did a show called Little Legends, which was like a uh, midget. Can we say midget? Little person celebrity show. So say I had, all like, of it. I had like mini vanilla. <laughs> You know, that show was, was a big show, though. So I did all that. And then it got to the point where where you'd go from, like, opening night, yay, and get excited to there was only sort of relief or disaster. Because uh-huh. you knew you could do it. So it was just like, okay, we, we did it, and the only thing could be bad. There was no upside anymore. Yeah. Like, once you do a lot of things in the entertainment business, it's kind of just your job. Yeah. So it's not like, yay. TV like you don't care yeah, you're yeah. just like okay we know how to do this and we got through it and what's next or something really bad happened and it was bad so that wasn't fun for me I still want like you know some upside I don't know 
so you know, you want to get some thrill out of it. So I, I, began, I found that on other people. So I like to tell their stories. Mm-hmm. Like, like when you put somebody, when, you know, I kind of poo-poo the book thing, but when you put a, the first copy of a book in somebody's hand and they're an author and they mm-hmm. see their book, like it's sort of like their life's work. They're thrilled. Yeah. That's awesome. Same with the podcast. When people's podcasts go live, like they're very excited. So that's a good thing. Yeah. So. You're really good at like, um, I wanted to say reading people or just you, you have a sense. I'm a social observer. I think that's what I get paid to do. I think most comedians are social observers. Mm, yeah. You know, I don't know if I'm exactly a comedian, but I play a lot of comedy <laughs> clubs. Um, that's the job. You find the material out of being a social observer. Like I'm an introvert, but I only want to be in cities around millions of people. <laughs> you know, you're a so- social observer. Yeah. Yeah. So I need to be in the. I need to be what I call the 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 uh, the bubble in the waterfall. Mm-hmm. So there's so much energy around a waterfall. Mm-hmm. But a bubble can float. Like inches away and not pop. Hmm. I like to be the bubble in the waterfall, so I can be in Times Wait, did Square. You, did you just create that, or did you I did. just now? Or no, I've said it before. Okay. People are trying to explain like you live in cities and you like and yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you always want to be outside and you always want to be around people, but you don't want to say hello to anybody. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of like that. You I don't want to engage with the people. I want to <laughs> be around. I want to. I want to absorb the stimuli from the people, yeah. which is why I like Asian cities. I like the, all the big Asian cities because there's just a cacophony of light and sound and a frenetic activity. But you can sort of just exist as the as the white guy in Hong Kong, you know, and observe and observe and absorb. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't like being in the house. I don't like being inside, but it's not a nature thing either. Yeah. Like, like I, I, I lived in L.A. for years and. I would go for like 10-mile walks. I lived on the beach. Yeah. I wouldn't do a 10-mile walk on the beach. I would do a 10-mile walk in the city. I would like walk into lo- And nobody lo- walks in L.A. I walked in L.A. Because yeah. I don't think I'm getting anything out of the seagulls. I'm getting want, something out people. of walking through neighborhoods and hearing things. And, you know? But you, I would say you love talking to people and connecting with people, though, in smaller settings. I like to have the conversations I want to have. Yeah. I don't want to be in an elevator and somebody goes, oh, how's your day? Like, don't, that's the worst nightmare. I don't want to be part of that. Or on an airplane. And that's bad. That's a bad characteristic. I'm not proud of that. I'm not proud that I'm like, oh, my God, I'd rather walk than take an Uber because the Uber guy might talk to me. It's not a good thing. <laughs> but being and pas- curious and passionate, you can have conversations that you want to have. You just kind of pick your spots. So I have to say one of my favorite posts that you posted about the other day is that um, – you posted their, your fears, right? Yes. And you listed them in order. Yes. And I said, like, three out of those five fears you do every day. I know. Doesn't help. I think it's amazing. It's not good. I I'm afraid to fly. I fly, like, three times a week. Yeah. Well, I was on a plane that got struck by lightning. Like, we were crashing. It was terrible. But <laughs> it's but yet scary. But you go on the plane. Like, There's no other way to get there. What am I supposed to do? Well, train, but you're not going to be... It takes to... I, yeah. yeah. You I can't mean, do that. you suck it up, but it's bad. It's really not fun for me. But, like, you would think, like, the more you do it, the less fearful you would get by it, too. I'm a little bit better because having things like Wi-Fi on airplanes to distract me a little, it's yeah. a little bit... It used to be terrible. Yeah. I'm a little bit better. So, I'm afraid of heights and I'm afraid of flying. So, I wanted to know which I was more afraid of. So, I um, jumped out of a plane... 
I went and, and jumped out of a plane. You did skydiving? I went skydiving. Oh, my God. And I was scared. So I found out that I was more afraid of the plane. I couldn't wait to jump out of the plane because I thought the plane was going to crash. <laughs> so it was the plane. <laughs> that was the answer. Yeah. I was like, which is, this is terrible. Let me jump out because the plane is going to crash and it'll seem worse. <laughs> so, yeah. So I did that little science experiment. That is fabulous. Yeah. What are you more afraid of? I was definitely afraid of the little plane. Oh, my the gosh. Little I love plane. this. But I love this about you, like that you really take life on and into the fullest. I guess. I'm just... like, I'm not holding snakes. Yeah. I won't go on a balcony. But I, I think. If it's, it's like 30 floors up, so I So when you go, go to a hotel room, I just have to ask you, like, do you ask for like the first floor or the second floor or something like that? I prefer it. I want to. Why do I want to ride the elevator? You don't request it, though. You're it, just... I request that more because I don't want to ride the elevator with 30 floors of people where I have to talk to. But <laughs> so like, give me it... the floor. G- closest to the lobby but if there's a balcony i'm not going on the balcony so you would just say to that like you i, I don't want to ride that you'd really they'll pick. be like what do you prefer low floor <laughs> i had to quit skiing because the chairlift like i just couldn't take it i was like i can't it's too stressful for me wow. yeah fear it's like a debilitating fear of heights but you face Bridges. it every day it's no, so amazing i'm not climbing anything no but you're Flying, your yeah, flying's bad, but I'm not like walking over that. What's the bridge down there on Palmetto? Yeah, I don't like it. It's stressful to walk even over the bridge. Yeah, be- yeah, it's not very high. I right. That's why I go over it. The bridge in Tampa, yeah. where you go over yeah, the yeah, it's a big one. Yeah, I hate it. It's terrible. It's stressful. Wow. But it really amazes me about you, and I like. I really admire that. Well, that I'm, you I'm, like. I admit that I have these fears, but it is what it is. I know? think it's amazing. I won't go to street fairs in New York because somebody will, some jackass will be walking around with a python around his neck. And I'm like, I don't want that guy. I don't want to be around that guy. Yeah, no, no, I don't know. I, yeah. I don't enjoy that at all either. Wait, so I have to know really quickly. People or heights, which comes first in fear? Like, well, I'm not afraid of all people. <laughs> I can control the people, the people thing. If I, the height, if I don't want to talk to them. I don't know, but like being at a... Um, like a networking event? Oh, it's brutal for me. Which You'd is like it. your dream. Yeah. I know. It's I like, it. it's my I dream only, that I'm doing it. Like I, I used to like, say, and I hope your listeners aren't offended at this. I used to say that I had three social skills. I knew how to hit on. I knew how to make fun of. And I knew how to argue with. Okay. <laughs> Those do not serve you well in 90% of social settings. And I'm like, those are really my only developed social skills. So those oh, those only that's get amazing. you. And that's amazing. Ninety percent of the time, those none of those three <laughs> are the appropriate social interaction. So that's yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, that's, that's brilliant. It's, it's not brilliant. It's, it's a bad. Great. It's a bad it's characteristic. Great. No, it's wonderful. But that that's what I <laughs> I'm like, and I dawned on me. I'm like, that's not good. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think I can use any of these three at this wedding. But look at you have used them though to grow your business and to grow who well, you are. I'm not are. hitting on people to grow my business. Well, but you've but you've used I'm, it to create a podcast to do these shows. You know, yeah, these I, I I use these sort of crossroads and. In my head of different things and ideas. So, so uh, I really enjoyed podcasting. I enjoy it more than anything. Yeah. And the thing I like about it is nobody's going to tell me. I remember the first time I did it, like all these producers were looking through the glass and I'm like, is somebody going to tell me what to do? And the guy on the microphone says, nope. And nobody's going to tell you what not to do either. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. I can just say whatever I want. Yeah. That's what I like about podcasting. And I liked it so much that I'm like, I want to help more people launch podcasts and then i realized there were not enough uh people in places to 
create podcasts. So we started open these podcast studios. So everything sort of flowed from my love of passionate conversations. Yeah. But you can't really have a passionate conversation with a total stranger. Or maybe you can, but it's not for everybody. Some people are just waiting for the bus. Yeah. You know? I, um... I got, okay. Yeah. No, I just wanted to just find out, though, like really quickly, what would be because now you're opening up podcasting and we have your podcasting studios. Now you're thinking you're going to f- you are going into franchising them. Yeah. So like six of them and we're expanding to a lot more. Yeah. So I guess my question is, who would you want to connect to next to take everything to the next level? That's a good question. Um, I don't know. Okay. That's a good question. Um, you know, the person who can show me how to take, show me the proper way. Like, I'm open to ideas now, which I probably didn't used to be. I'm like, this is the way we're going to do it. But because everything's kind of new, we're all sort of figuring it out. Um, you know, I like smart people who, who are like, I understand what you're doing. I also am passionate about the medium. I think it's going to go places. And, um, and, uh, those kind of people, you know, that's a good mm. question, though. You know, whenever you're doing showbiz endeavors, you're always sort of like, I need somebody with money. Mm-hmm. I need somebody, I need an investor. I need somebody to do this or whatever. It's very liberating when you're not totally motivated by that mm-hmm. because most of the time you are like that. And then so most investors, especially in show business, the guy's like, here's the check. Where are the girls? Yeah. And then you're like a pimp and not a producer. Then you're like in this middle ground of weirdos you know because a lot of guys with money who are like i want to invest in a restaurant or a club or a movie or something that's going to make me more interesting to the Mm -hmm. girl in the little black dress yeah because they're not that interested if you're just some wall street guy yeah so they want to give them so then they're like oh wow we'll hang around with brian howie he and then i'm like why why are you here are you here because you believe in my talent and what we're doing are you here because behind door number two there's a lot of actresses yeah and so that's when things get a little icky. So I'm not like that now. Now I'm like, who understands what we're trying to do and, and can help you figure this out? Facilitate it or open up some some Possibly. doors or locations or situations that will um, help the greater good, the cause. And our cause is, you know, our our uh, tagline is podcast for the people. And that's really what it is. You know, that's amazing. Before we finish up in two seconds. I just have to say really quickly, since we've been sitting here and you just answered that question, it amazes me. You just returned a text message, didn't miss a beat with that answering that question, and checked something else out of the studio. So whoever says guys can't multitask. Guys can multitask. I just was amazed with that really quickly. We can quickly. walk and chew gum. Who says and that? <laughs> so where can everybody can get connected with you and stay connected with you? Um, hold on. <laughs> I'm sending a text. We're going to listen to this in real time. This is real good podcasting. Uh, stuff. <laughs> Hold on. Everybody count to five. This is like everybody's here with okay. us right now. Um, go to podpopuli.com, P-O-D-P-O-P-U-L-I, or um, go to greatlovedebate.com. See all our live tour schedules. You can listen to the podcast, all that kind of stuff there. Um, don't approach me in an elevator or talk to me on an airplane. I will not talk to you, but feel free to reach out via email, social media. Uh, I won't be so frightening. And I will say the one thing that you always say is everybody should have a podcast. Everybody should have at least one podcast. At least. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Here are three takeaways from the episode. One, 
At most, everyone's only maybe a chapter ahead of you, so you shouldn't be intimidated. Two, people are the best entertainment. Three, we are all just trying to figure this out together. I so enjoy being here with you every Monday and digging into these amazing stories. But before I see you next week, if you've enjoyed this episode, tell a friend or write a review on iTunes. I appreciate all your support and love staying connected on Instagram or at you'vegotconnections.com, especially if you want to know more on how to connect with these business owners. If you want to see some behind the scenes or tell me your thoughts on this episode or email me at you've got connections at gmail.com. Until next time.